Welcome to the Scottish Business Network podcast. Hello, I'm Fraser Allen. Welcome to episode 46. What a transformation we have seen this year as organisations embrace the benefits of remote working and as businesses recalibrate to find new opportunities post-COVID-19, the broader issue of flexible working is likely to be high on the agenda. Step forward then, Lisa Gallagher and Nikki Slowey, the founders of Flexibility Works, which is part funded by the Scottish Government and the Tom Hunter Foundation. Nikki and Lisa are helping organisations in Scotland to identify the benefits of flexible working and how to maximise those benefits for both employers and employees. This episode was recorded on Friday the 10th of July, remotely, of course. Do you need a communications expert to help you with your marketing, brand storytelling or strategic content? Find out what I, Fraser Allen, can provide at www.allencoms.co.uk. That's Allen with two L's and an E, and comms with two M's. Lisa and Nikki, good morning. How are you doing? Oh, good morning. Good, thank you. Yeah, good, thank you. Let's get cracking straight away. There's a, there's a lovely symmetry to the two of you as the directors of flexibility works because you're both mothers to three boys so how has lockdown been for you in terms of both your family life and your working life well it's lisa here well it's been it's been busy and it's been tiring but you know what i i remind myself every day really how lucky my husband and i are um, because we're both fortunate to have jobs and we have you know a garden we've got some outside space so we are we've been fortunate and safe working at home and I have to say the children have enjoyed having us around more even though I've possibly not been at my mothering best at times due to the you know the busy schedule throughout the day but um yeah you know we've we've done okay and I think in terms of how we've managed our our work and looking after the children David my husband and I have had quite a kind of clear structure to our day which has helped us so we get up and we start work at seven and we do kind of two to three hour shifts of work and then swap between looking after our three young boys and and working and we work through till six o'clock so having a clear structure and a shared diary has has helped us but yeah it's been it's been tiring it's been full on but you know we appreciate how lucky we are I guess in many ways so and how about you, Nikki? Yeah, I mean, I, I again with with Lisa, you know, we talk about this on a on a regular basis that we're the same. You know, we've got space, we've got a garden, so we, you know, we've actually been we've been okay. Um, my husband's a teacher, so he's been kind of in and out of work. Um, so when he's working at home, we're both here with with the three boys, and my boys are slightly older than Lisa's, so I've got a fifteen year old, um, a twelve year old, and a ten year old. So they're actually quite quite lazy shall we say so they quite like to sleep on in the mornings and I've just been getting up really early um, doing a few hours of work before they got up and then when they were at you know when school was on we were doing a couple of hours of, of school work at, at most um, so just yeah managing absolutely fine um, thankfully we were we've all been well we've all been healthy so it's just been a really unusual situation and I think if someone had told all of us we were going to be in this situation like a year ago and described what it would like we'd have thought gosh we would never cope with all of that but but we have here we are. 
we we are flexible, as the name of your your company says. Is humans are very adaptable, aren't they? So how did how did you arrive uh, at the the stage in in your careers that you are? It'd be good to hear from both of you a, a bit about your backgrounds. Yeah, it's Nikki here. Um, so I started my life wanting actually to be a journalist, and um, and was sort of looking at different options and persuaded that maybe I should study something a little bit more generic than, than pure journalism. So I did a communications degree and ended up working in marketing and communications. And started my life working in property and finance sectors and sort of fell quite out of love with the notion of everything being geared towards shareholders and didn't really find that as motivational. Um, so started to seek roles within non-profit organisations um, and that's pretty much where I, I've spent most of my working life, working with, with kind of non-profits in marketing and communications. Um, and that's then, 15 years ago, I had my first son and my career was going really well up until that point. I was winning awards for some of the marketing campaigns I was responsible for. And then had to look um, and try to negotiate going back to work on a part-time basis and realise that that wasn't going to be an option. And that there really wasn't very many options at all in terms of really good quality, flexible or part time jobs. Um, and then at the time of having a baby, started talking to lots of other, particularly women who were telling similar stories of leaving jobs and or taking, you know, downshifting for other roles. And just really questioning the whole thing and realizing, okay, it's not just me, but actually, what are we doing as a society? You know, we're you know, we're pushing people out of out of jobs. You know, businesses are missing out on really good talent. Surely this can't be good for business. It can't be good for the economy. And it just became a bit of a kind of pet project of mine. Um, and I really became quite interested in it. And then six years ago, an opportunity came along to develop um, a program of work in Scotland, looking at how we can create more flexible working. So I jumped at the chance. At that time, I was working freelance. Um, running my own consultancy but I really jumped at this chance because it was almost to me like bringing together all the stuff that I loved you know sort of the opportunity to set something up from scratch and also to lead on something that I was really passionate about which was flexible working so I've been doing that for the last six years and absolutely no looking back it's been incredible I just feel really fortunate that kind of every day now we get the chance to to shape and change how employers are doing things, which potentially will lead to more flexible working for, for, for people. Um, and then obviously Flexibility Works launched in April of this year. Lisa and I put all our knowledge, skills, expertise together and launched our new our new venture at the strangest of times. Certainly was. How, how, how about you, Lisa? Yeah, well, for me, I guess from an early stage, I've always been driven by social justice issues. I studied Russian and history as my undergrad and then later on um, did a master's in development studies. So with a degree in Russian, I, I guess it doesn't give you a very specific career path, but was very passionate about the subject, the language and the literature. Um, and I remember when I came out of university, I applied for lots of different jobs and I got offered a really nice job down in London for a big accountancy firm using my Russian you know a good salary but I remember getting the job offer and thinking about it carefully and it just there was something there missing for me um I just didn't feel so kind of wholly inspired by I guess the the mission there and I turned it down I remember the lovely person who interviewed me at the time being completely dumbstruck saying why are you turning down this great opportunity but it, I guess it just didn't kind of 
float my boat in the way that um, I'd hoped for, even though I wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do at that point. So I then got a job working for a charity in London that focused on health and social care projects in the former USSR. And I found that a really um, interesting experience. And then I also worked in homeless hostels um, for a large homelessness charity in London, which was a real eye opener um, for me in terms of working with the young people there. Um, and then that led on to kind of the biggest part of my career, which I worked for then the big issue in Scotland and then the international side, the International Network of Street Papers, which I latterly um, ran for a number of years and absolutely loved that job. I mean, so inspiring to work with people that run street papers all around the world and the whole issue and injustice of homelessness. I find that just so compelling to be involved with. Um, and after that, I then did a, a business course in, in Boston. I, I felt it was time for a new direction. So um, I went over and it was an eight month course. I met my husband on that course. Um, and after that, um, that experience, I worked for a third sector organisation, a private sector role for a while. And it was when, similar to Nikki, when um, I had my first um, baby and I wanted to go back, I was running a third sector organisation fairly new into the role at the time I'd wanted to come or hoped to come back on a job share basis loved the job um but I also wanted to spend time with my baby and I felt I'd waited a long time to have this baby and I felt very strongly that I could balance both this career that I enjoyed and also you know having the time with this lovely wee lovely wee boy but unfortunately that opportunity was not to be and a bit like Nikki I felt very kind of upset and disappointed and quite angry actually at that and and started to think you know in, in relation to senior women in business if we don't think a bit more creatively about how we work um you know we're not going to have you know women progressing and lots of people working in, in different types of roles so I started to think I'm going to set up my own organization um, to look at this and I realized there was this um program of work that Nikki was involved with in Scotland got in touch got a job there um and I've worked in the area of flexible working in Scotland now for the last four years um and then Nikki and I have a great working relationship and we've set up Flexibility Works together, which, yeah, I feel really just so passionate about. There's so much to do in Scotland to support people to get the balance between work and, and home life that they that they want and need. And it's also good for business too. Tell us a bit then about Flexibility Works. What, what What's the purpose of the business? What services are you providing and, and how do you see it developing over the years? Sure. So, I mean, first of all, I guess yeah, I think we've already said we're really passionate about the benefits that flexible working can bring to people, to business and to society more generally. We, we launched in April of this year, but obviously we've been working in this field for six years now between us. And I guess the, the, the vision of Flexibility Works is to promote and embed a culture of flexible working for all in Scotland um, by highlighting the, the many benefits that we believe and we have seen that there are to flexible working. What we do, I guess, on a practical level, I guess is kind of split into three areas. So the first is practical help and support that we offer to employers, and that's in the form of training for line managers, coaching for senior leadership teams um, and some employee engagement work um, to help organisations and employers to embed a more flexible working culture within their organisation. It's super practical, our approach. 
Um, the second area that we that we focus on, I guess, is highlighting um, how flexible working can help and support both employers, businesses and individuals. And we do that through um, talking to the media and writing articles and doing some research and survey work with employers and employees to, to share that kind of that that data, that information about what people are thinking and experiencing. And the third area is about sharing best practice. So, and that's through a series of events that we run with employers where they come and they share their best practice stories of flexible working in action, I guess. And these events that we now have in the virtual world, they used to be in the real world face to face, but um, we do these now virtually and are really well attended. And we get a range of speakers from large, small organisations, public and third sectors talking about practically what they do um, to encourage and um, have more flexible working in their business, which then helps others. And we also work closely with the Scottish Government um, and policymakers to drive forward this agenda. I guess it's you know important to say that we're funded partly by the Scottish Government and the Hunter Foundation um, as part of our um, income. Now, presumably one of the kind of positive consequences of COVID-19 is that many employers are now a lot more open and uh, welcoming towards the idea of remote and flexible working. Is, is that your experience? Yeah, I think in terms of remote working, absolutely. Um, it's been a necessity to keep businesses running through through COVID. It's quite amazing because almost half of UK workers are were at the peak were working from home during COVID, whereas pre-COVID, it was around about 20% um, of the workforce. And what's really interesting is that that's a trend that looks like it's set to continue. Um, research coming through just now showing around about 44% of UK workers are set to request to their employer that they work more flexibly on a permanent basis um, after corona restrictions are, are lifted. And 45% of UK workers predict a permanent change in their employer's approach to flexible working um, post-COVID. So there is a real feeling that flexibility is going to, to increase. Um, and actually, the remote working is where lots of people are saying, you know, we are looking to, to, to work remotely on an ongoing basis, um, not initially all the time. But the, what we're kind of hearing and seeing is that people are saying, you know, they want a kind of blended approach, maybe two or three days a week working from, from home. What's really interesting as well is that people are saying that they're actually, what we've always known as remote workers are more productive. Um, so around about 70% of UK workers that have been working at home because of COVID say that they are more productive or equally productive working from home, which I think is really significant given the unique challenges that we were talking about earlier, you know, that people, many people are at home with children off school, they've been managing homeschooling and all of that stuff. But even with all of that going on, almost 70% of people are saying, actually, I feel as if I was more productive or as productive working from home. Now, I think it's really important to say that remote working is only one aspect of flexible working and not all jobs can, of course, be done remotely. But one of the other things that I feel that COVID has done is really bring out true resilience, creativity. It's given individuals and teams greater control to solve problems, to solve challenges. And this type of approach is really what creates a flexible working culture. 
So there's hope that all kinds of flexible working will increase post-COVID. Um, and we've seen that there's lots of different ways to work and people have really had to think quite creatively and almost throw out the Monday to Friday nine to five ways of working just to get the job done, just to keep businesses running. Interesting you're saying that people tend to work more effectively at home but there will always be resistance to in some quarters to people being allowed to do that or to have flexible working opportunities. Um, so should we dispel some of the or chat, uh, look at some of the myths as, as you would regard them? Um, the most the one that comes up first with more kind of traditional employers is that if you let people work from home, they're just they're going to start doing their washing. They're going to lie on the sofa and watch daytime TV. How do you address that? Yeah, one? I mean, we've, we hear lots of arguments um, about why flexible working doesn't work um, or is, you know, is not possible in, in certain organisation. And definitely being less productive is is one of those arguments. You know, if, if you can't see someone, how do you know that they're working? And that's, I guess, all about trust, isn't it? It's about, you know, a manager being very clear about um what their team needs to do. So it's about very clear kind of outputs that needs to happen and then focusing on those outputs rather than, you know, necessarily seeing someone right directly in front of you all day, every day to know that that work's getting done. Um, Another um, challenge that we get is that, oh, well, if one person asks for it, the floodgates will open and everyone will ask. But, well, first of all, I might argue, well, let the floodgates open. But also, you tend to find that the floodgates don't open because all of our you know, needs and wants and personal situations are very different. Um, and, you know, sometimes if you're looking to work part time, that means, well, if you're looking to work part time, that does mean uh, a reduction in salary and not everyone is able or wants to have a, a drop in salary. So actually, you tend to find that 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 doesn't necessarily happen. And if it did open, happen, then I would say, you know, that's a good thing. And it's good to have these conversations. Um, and another one we hear is, you know, flexible working just can't work in my business or or my sector. And we would tend to hear a lot from the legal sector, for example, that, you know, our business is very client facing and we have to have face to face meetings. But actually, and we've spoken to a number of law firms during this time. My husband is also uh, one of those people. He's also a lawyer. Um, and actually, I think, you know, having the video calls and having that, you know, interaction with clients, some have said it's it's been really interesting because you've almost been invited into someone's home. You know, you get to see their backdrop and, you know, their paintings or their kids' pictures or whatever. You actually get a chance to build up a bit more rapport on a personal basis. So that myth has been a little bit busted too over the course of um, of COVID. But of course, flexible working, it does need to work for the business um, as well as people. Um, and it, really, we always just say it starts with a conversation. You know, this is what I've been thinking about. You know, this is what my personal situations are. I understand the work that needs to be done. But also we encourage people to think about what the business needs are, to and to kind of think ahead of time as to you know what some of the blockers may be that come your way in those sorts of conversations and have answers to that. Um, in terms of the point you made, um, Razor, about you know put, oh, people are putting a washing on, well, I would also say that's a good thing. You know, if you're you don't have the morning commute, you don't have that hour of stress or whatever jumping on the train or the bus, then you, you might have time to put your washing on, or you know you're not going out for lunch so you might have time to then hang it up at you know lunchtime and that is good for you because it 
means you've got less to do, you know, at the weekend or whatever. Um, and it's not taking away from your from your actual work. A really nice example that we've got of when you talk about productivity um, specifically is there's a lovely SME in Glasgow called Pursuit Marketing that we know quite well. And in 2016, they trialled a four-day working week. And the, real, the reason that they, they tried that is because through the nature of their, their business, they can measure quite clearly the productivity of their team. And they could see that some of the part-time workers were more productive in business terms than people that were in five days. And they thought there's, there's something interesting here. People are really keen to get their work done um, and to have that you know time off with their family or whatever it was. And so what they found was consistently after that four-day working week, productivity has gone up by about 29%, um, which is great for them and great for the team. They're still on five days salary, but but work on four. So we do hear lots of uh, arguments against flexible working, but I guess there's lots of, of counter arguments too that we would encourage people to consider. Another issue that, that has been discussed quite a lot in the media recently is with more and more people working from home, is there a danger you lose that sort of chemistry that you can have in certain workplaces when people are just, as you say, in that, physical environment and are firing off each other and perhaps uh, mentoring newer members of the team. Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, we're, we're humans. We need human interaction. But for years, remote working has been on the rise and the traditional sort of nine to five, Monday to Friday has been looking increasingly outdated. And what's happened with COVID is it's just really been accelerated. And it's as if we're now on the fast track to changing where and when and how we work forever. Um, but like we said, I we believe that the future holds a blended approach. So employees are just going to have greater choice and control around where they work, um, the ability to choose home, office or combining both. And all the stats are showing that people are looking for that blended approach in the main. So people are still accepting that there is a place for you know, coming together for face-to-face interaction, collaboration, but it's there's going to be more autonomy in the work environment that will help people to thrive. So rather than forcing everybody to work in the same way, the same times, the same place, day in, day out, people are going to be given a little bit more autonomy to actually think, well, what's the best way for me to work? What's the best way to get the best from myself um, and have a little bit more choice over that, you can also cast the net wider because if you're not insisting that people are physically present in the office every day, then there's more scope for people that maybe live in more remote communities to come and work for your organisation because they're not faced with thinking, gosh, that's a commute every day that I just wouldn't be able to do. And obviously more and more organisations are looking at their carbon footprint. So if they are enabling people to work more remotely some of the time, and you know, push away the daily, relentless daily commute. They, they are reducing their carbon um, footprint. And quite honestly, we're also hearing lots and lots of organisations talking about being able to reduce costs because they are now thinking, well, do we need all this physical office space? Is there a way that we could maybe downsize um, and not have as much physical space and just use the space that we've got? better to make it more for that kind of touchdown collaboration communication a space where people want to come to opposed to having huge offices with just big banks of desks that aren't really conducive to to social interaction anyway 
And I think also to add to that is the one of our board members referred to it last night is the flexibility discrimination. You know, I think as more remote working comes in, there's there's two things. One, I think there, there will be a challenge of overwork, people working at home and actually working more than ever before. And that kind of distinction between work and home life maybe blurs a little bit. So I think that's something to be aware of. But also, if you're not in the office or you're working less than full time, that you're not overlooked for certain projects or certain social interactions. Well, the two of you have dispelled those myths very persuasively. Uh, so good work there. Uh, I, I, I wanna, I'm going to stop being negative. But before, before we move on, I mean, are there any other sort of common uh, sort of objections that people have to, to flexible working? I think, well, we can, I get both chip in here, but I think one thing that people find from the, the personal point of view is that you, flexible working is something that you have to, to earn. You know, it, once you're in a role or an organisation for a certain time, people then feel a bit more confident to ask for it. But actually, research tells us that three quarters of us in Scotland either have or would like to have flexible working so that's the majority of us would like to have that but in terms of how many jobs are advertised as flexible um it's sitting at the moment in scotland it's less than 15 percent anyway it used to be um, 10 or 11 percent so it's somewhere between 11 and 15 percent we estimate so there's a real disconnect between the, the number of us who want flexible working and then when you go to move job or look for a new job that possibility isn't necessarily there so for us what we talk about is um you know employers are potentially missing out on some really you know valuable talent and people skills there that um you know they might otherwise um have if they just mentioned in job adverts a few simple words we're open to talk about flexible working so um i think people feel a little bit scared to you know, feel it's quite a bold move to put that in a job advert. But with so many people now ranking flexibility up there, actually with pay, um, it's a really, um, a really important and valuable thing to put on job adverts. You've already covered a, a lot of the, the positives of flexible working, but how, how would you kind of sum that up? Business continuity, I guess, in the light of COVID, um, offering flexible working under changing circumstances really is key to sustaining your business performance and the organisations that have adapted best um, to transitioning to remote working during COVID are those who had um, a good degree of flexible working in place before. So business continuity is right up there. Productivity we've already talked about, but um, nine in 10 employees, according to HSBC, say that flexible working is a key motivator for them at work. Things like retention and progression, attracting talent, which I've already touched on in terms of the number of people who would like to have flexibility. And also in terms of your own personal health and well-being, you know, it can really help to put you know, absenteeism rates down when we feel in control over our where, when and how long we work. You know, we're less likely to be off sick and we're more we're happier and we're more engaged in our roles, which is good for ourselves as individuals and it's good for the business. And in terms of perhaps more social issues, um, it has a great impact on your diversity. So you can attract a more diverse range of people through working flexibly. So women, people with disabilities or people from a BME background, for example. We've all the research shows that flexible working is really important to all of these groups. And it can also play a significant role in closing your gender gender pay gap. 
So lots of lots of really good business benefits there. Now, a slightly more philosophical question. We had uh, Mel Young on the, the podcast recently. I, I think he's a, a former associate of certainly of Lisa, um, founder of the Homeless World Cup and the big issue in Scotland. Um, he was talking about COVID-19 potentially accelerating a lot of discussions around what the the purpose of business is. You know, there's been this assumption for so long that it's 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 all about generating shareholder value, making profits, etc. Do you think that this whole move towards flexible working is part of a, a more general shift in expectations in society about why we work and and the purpose of being you know, the purpose of business. Yeah, I mean, we've been following this sort of trends and what it is that people want from work, you know, what matters to people. And there's been lots of research done that's showing actually, particularly for younger workers, your millennials, your Gen Zs, you know, what matters to those people is more than the salary. Um, what they're looking at is that they're really focused on larger societal issues um, and that's, you know, not just because of the pandemic, that was emerging really rapidly before the pandemic. If anything, it's maybe reinforced this group's desire to help drive positive change in their communities and around the world. Um, and these groups continue to push for a world where business and governments mirror the same commitments to society that they have. And they're putting people ahead of profits and prioritising environmental sustainability. So if that's what's important to people that you're trying to attract into your business, then I think it's really important that your organisational culture, your values mirror that and reflect that. And people are, you know, talking much more likely to talk now about what's important to them as a, as yet salary is important, but they're talking about a fair wage. But they're also talking about a fair treatment um, as a priority for people. Um, people want to know that they can progress. They also are increasingly talking about, you know, we want a work-life balance. Um, and as Lisa alluded to earlier, you know, people are really seeking flexibility when they're searching for roles. And it's really important that employers tap into what it is that matters to people and really try and convey that. Um, and also, I think people can see through when you know company values are are just a kind of poster i think people are much more savvy now they can see through that um and they really do vote with their feet so you know if people go into an organization that on paper sounds like they've got really nice values that chimes with what they're looking for but they go and they work there and they realize actually that's not the reality they vote with their feet and they simply leave um the organization and I think people are certainly you know sort of standing up to what is perceived as bad business practice or poor treatment of people you know we saw quite a lot of backlash you know with Wotherspoons just at the beginning of the pandemic um, where you know they were they were laying people off in a in a particularly hostile manner and people were really quite outraged by that and it really took social media by storm um, and it shows that people do have a voice um, and that they're really not expecting organisations to behave in that way. And there's really this expectation um, that organisations demonstrate quite exemplar behaviour and that they really live their values. And if they don't do that, then they're seriously kind of going to be open up to risk um, in terms of exposure through media, social media, by people not wanting to go and work for them or by people going and working for them and then leaving the organisation. And all of that has a really obviously negative impact um, own business so yeah I think that people are really looking for something quite different now 
and there's a real expectation on how businesses behave um, in society. Now, final question. You two are all over this flexible working thing, aren't you? You know, you just you know so much about it. So I'm guessing that the two of you, the way you balance your home and work lives must be a, a paragon that we can, <laughs> we can all learn from. So could, how about some tips for, you know, people who are adapting to, to new ways of working? Any sort of advice that you can give? Well, I think it's for us. I mean, we have always worked quite flexibly. Um, communication for us as a team, we're a small team. Granted, there's only four of us. Uh, we all work flexibly we all work slightly different hours and days and times and that's been exasperated through COVID but we communicate as a team we're really really honest and clear who can do what who can work when how much face-to-face contact we want as a team you know what is going to work for us we just have to have that honest conversation and that's what's made it really work I think for for me because I've been able to say well this is what I can do this is what I can't do this is what I'm looking for um, and we've been able to to, to do that across a, as a team, and the, the expectations therefore are set. Um, and I think that's really, really um, important. Um, well, obviously, Lisa and I have been setting up our own organisation, so we've been working, you know, hard and flat out. But we also are really mindful that actually, well, there's a point in time where you're just not being productive, you know. So you just need to walk away. You need to close down your laptop. You need to get away. You need to get out for a walk. You need to spend time with the kids whatever it is that you want to do, you know, go do some exercise um, because we have a real problem with presenteeism. You know, people feel, you know, they've got to, to work, be seen to be working. Sometimes jobs are just frankly too big. So there's just too much work to be done there. But there is a point in time for all of us when we actually just stop being productive. We're overworked, we're burnt out. And it's about understanding and being really mindful of that because you're not doing yourself any favours in that situation, but also you're not really being that productive for your for your business um, either. But do we have it right, Nikki? Do we get it right all the time with our flights we're working? I don't know. But, um, but yeah, I definitely feel like the control element for me of being able to yeah, manage my, my work schedule and clear what we have to do and when I get that done is kind of down to me. I let my team know, they let me know. And yeah, it works really, really well for us. Lisa and, and Nikki, thanks for a really interesting, enlightening conversation, which I'm sure a lot of people find very useful and thought-provoking. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again in two weeks. To find out more about the Scottish Business Network, simply visit sbn.scot.